Welcome to church. If you're new, this is a great place to call home. If you're not new, we're glad you're still here. And uh, my name is Mark. While you're trying to look at me and work out the details, I am, yes, I'm known as Blake's pastor. So that's my real claim to fame, really, in life. But uh, I, I bring greetings from my beautiful wife, Jemima. We have two boys, uh, Zeke, who's 10, and Caleb, who's 7. And they are uh, filled with energy, filled with life. There's no shortage of... Um, of, of activity and uh, racial jokes in our house. My wife is New Zealand born. She, she was half Aussie, half Kiwi, but grew up in the Philippines, sounds like an American. I was born in Singapore, grew up in Malaysia, Indian origin, but been an Australian for 30 years. But I do go for the All Blacks. I just thought I'd just get that out of the way real fast. My favorite brand, favorite band growing up was Parachute, now it's Equipus. Josh, aren't you meant to be on your honeymoon? We do everything quick around here. That's awesome. Um, but who's ready for the word? Are you ready for the word in all the locations? I want to say this. I am huge fans of your pastors, Pastor Sam and Kathy. Your leadership and what Equipus is doing has inspired me. I, when I come here, receive more than I give. And it's always a joy. It's always a privilege. And I know Pastor Sam's in Wellington today. Great to have Pastor Kathy uh, here. And of course, Scott and all the leadership team. Everyone's a part in every campus. Come on, can we honor our leadership? Thank God for them. Because what we honor, we receive from. And we're so grateful for you guys. We love you. It's Pastor Kathy's birthday yesterday. She doesn't mind discounted chocolates today. If you would still do that, you can still send that in. But I, I'm, I just want to pray. Sorry, I'm a little familiar here because I feel like I'm at home. And looking at the multicultural diversity here and through every campus, I'm pretty sure uh, this feels like home. Th you worship team are awesome. Josh, you just stay because, you know, since you're not on your honeymoon, you can stay on the keyboard. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that this is your house that you are building your church and that no one is here by coincidence in every location, in every service. Right now, every person in, under the sound of my voice, let them hear your word. And Lord, as they hear my words, let them really hear your voice. Speak specifically and uniquely to each heart and each situation. I thank you, God, that you are above all. You are greater. You are higher. Father, you gave your life. And Father, we want to give our life for you. We want to thank you, God, that you've not called us just to sit on a pew, but you've called us to be activated. You've called us to be alive and filled with energy. Father, we pray each life today would be infused with purpose. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in this house. I thank you for one another. I thank you for what you're doing next week with Vision Sunday. Lord, we pray that, God, our hearts would be good soil today. Lord, that what goes in would produce a harvest 30, 60, and 100-fold. Lord, we dismiss every distraction. Every distraction be gone that, God, this moment is quarantined for you. We are unashamed in our passion. We are unashamed in our desire. We're unashamed in our love for you. I thank you that you are unashamed for us. We choose this morning to be unashamed for you. And, Father, we pray that your word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, would literally impact every person for the better. Shift us further in our journey. Move us closer to you and I thank you God that we receive all of this in Jesus name and everyone said everyone said come on everybody I'd equip us said amen 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 God bless you you may be seated man wow I I, I know you know this but you know you didn't come to church this morning 
you didn't come to church this morning. The church came to a building this morning. And this, the church will leave this building. You're not going to leave church in a few minutes. Church will leave a building. Church will have lunch. Service will finish. The church will have lunch. Church will tonight go to bed. Church will wake up tomorrow morning. Church will go to work tomorrow morning. Church will go to university tomorrow. Why? Because we are the church. We are the church. Look at your neighbor. Say, everybody. Everybody in the body. Remember, you're a member. Not a membership. It's not a lot of membership. You're a part of a living body that God calls his bride. And uh, I really believe that uh, this, this is the phrase I had in my heart this morning. God wants to activate you to accelerate us. God wants to activate you to accelerate us. Us goes faster when we're all activated individually. So there's no space for, um, listen, we're all on a journey. You might be new, you might not even know God. You're like, I just got dragged in. Someone bribed me with lunch at the Mexican cafe. Uh, apparently you get $10 lunch specials and in whatever location, I hope you get Mexican specials wherever you are. But you know, you might be like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. But I wanna tell you that whether you know God really well or whether you've never heard of him, you are on a journey and really whether, whether you've found your space, you found your place, you found your purpose. God made you with a purpose. The Bible says we were created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God's got a plan and a destiny for every person. Is this alive this morning? Is this, a, is this, a, is this church alive this morning? Uh, our church, uh, today is actually Vision Weekend in Kingdom City. Um, but I'm here uh, because... Uh, I just didn't want to be there. Uh, no, I did, I did a video globally. We're doing a video globally. That's not true. Please take that off the video in case anyone sees this. Um, but, uh, but our journey's been crazy. But Equipus has genuinely been an incredible model for what God's done with us. But I want to bring a word, and I've entitled it Following God Fully. A huge part of activating our own journey is to understand what following God fully looks like. I'm going to read the scripture and then I'll let Josh uh, have a little bit of a break. Numbers 14 verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully. Someone say fully. You sort of said that halfly. Say fully. That's it. Every location. I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. My servant Caleb, because he is a different spirit and has followed me fully. This is not like some sort of contemporary versions, the New King James. So it's not like, hey man, you followed me fully, man. You're fully awesome, fully sick. It's not that fully. This literally means wholeheartedly. Because Caleb followed God wholeheartedly. God's going to bring him into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. If the only reason you listen today is for the sake of your children and children's children is still worth it because there's something about following God fully that has generational consequence because Caleb followed fully his children benefited I've seen people who've sort of followed God I don't know how you'd measure it but not fully and sadly we probably all know examples where their children become a diluted version because anything that's fractioned and not whole gets further fractioned when multiplied. Because 
there's something that a child picks up in seeing the passions of, of their parents that ultimately becomes not only a role model, but it sort of becomes almost the example. And I want for my two sons to set an example in a way where they know their dad isn't perfect. They know their parents aren't always right. But whatever we did, we did it fully. Whatever we did, we did it wholeheartedly. See, following God fully, I want to encourage you this morning, everywhere you're listening, following God fully does not mean following God flawlessly. It's impossible to follow God flawlessly because we're all flawed. But you can still follow God fully because fully simply means I'm following God wholeheartedly. I've got a picture of my family. I don't know if it's up there. Um, I've got two boys, Zeke and Caleb. And uh, um, it's not there. Okay, well, well, I did have a picture. They're real. I just want to prove to you. I didn't just walk off the street. Uh, But there they are. And uh, so the younger one there, the second one, his name's Caleb. His name is Caleb. God gave me his name when, uh, when, when Jemima was, was pregnant. And um, I didn't know what it meant, so I looked it up. Caleb, the guy we just read about, Numbers 14. His name means wholehearted. The name Caleb means wholehearted. And, you know, you've got to be careful what you call your children because they become that name. My second one is wholehearted. He's either wholeheartedly good or wholeheartedly bad. He's half-colored, but he's wholehearted. He's completely full throttle in every direction. And whatever direction he's going, you know he's all there. Do you know, can I suggest to you this? Hedging your bets when it comes to investment is a good strategy, but it's a terrible strategy when it comes to eternity. The frustrating thing is there might be people here today, not intentionally, who, who, who love God enough to not backslide because they know too much. But they don't love God enough to take a step forward. And it's an awkward place to be when you know too much to totally walk the other way, but yet you don't desire Him enough to walk all the way in. That's why Revelation says, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but lukewarm is like, ah. And it's horrible because you can't be a really good sinner, but you don't really want to be full on for God. It's a frustrating place to be. 2 Chronicles says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed. It's like God's got a bottle called strength, and he's going, where am I going to pour it? Who needs strength? The eyes of the Lord are roaming through the earth, going, which city, which campus, which location, which e-group, which person? Where can I pour strength? But he's not going to waste it. He's going to go, I'm only looking for those whose hearts are fully committed. Again, I remind you, it's not the contemporary version. It's the New King James. It means those who are wholeheartedly committed, not just committed. You're like, well, 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 well Pastor Mark, I'm, I'm here, right? It's pretty committed. We're taught with sport when we're younger, when you tackle, tackle wholeheartedly. You're more likely to be injured going half-hearted into a tackle than wholehearted. You're more likely to be injured on the Christian life, more likely to be offended, more likely to be by sort of half going into this thing. I'll sort of half have God. I'll sort of half do this church thing because I don't want to be too full on because some of these people are too fanatical. You know what a fanatic is? A fanatic is someone with stronger convictions than you. That's all it is. Go to the rugby, go to whatever game you watch, and you're like a very decent supporter. You go there and you sit there and you watch. 
But then there's some real fanatics, right? They, you're supporting the same team, but they paint their face, they write things, they, you know, they open their chair, they just do stuff. You're like, listen, we're on the same team, man, but can you just dial it down a bit? That's what it's like in church sometimes. It's like, oh, there's fanatical people on the front row. We're all on the same team, but come on, just have some. I would put it to you that God would rather a few following fully than a multitude following partially. Gideon, I'd rather have 300 following fully than 30,000 following partially. Holy Spirit, I'd rather have 120 following fully than the 500 who saw me but won't wait for me. Equippers, God would rather have a minority following fully than a majority following partially. See, next week when the vision is declared, nationally, globally, online, whichever campus, the, the, the key is not to go, oh, am I half in, half out? Well, you know, that is part of it. It's like, what, what am I going to do? See, here's the challenge, and all of us understand this. Today, middle ground is disappearing. You're either all in or you're either all out. There was a day where you could sort of take a nice straddled position in the middle called gray, and you could sort of be a little bit in, a little bit out, and that was so nice. That's me, because I'm diplomatic, I'm a people pleaser, I don't like to offend people, and I want to be in the middle. But the middle ground is dividing under your feet, and you have to choose, go this way, or do I go that way? Numbers 32 says this, Numbers 32, verse 11 and 12, because they have not followed me wholeheartedly, or Caleb, fully same story about the whole Israelites not one of those who were 20 years old or more when they came out of Egypt would see the land not one not one except Caleb and Joshua why it's like he's trying to make the point for they followed the Lord wholeheartedly next slide not Abraham not Isaac not Jacob none of these none of their descendants but Caleb and Joshua. Why? Because they followed the Lord wholeheartedly. I, I want to just encourage you, remind you that this is not a passion only issue. This is not some charismatic issue. Following God fully isn't how loud I shout. Following God fully is a generational issue. It's an inheritance issue. How do we know if we're following God fully? I mean, that's probably really the questions everyone's saying. Hey, listen, I'm here. I'm at church. That's pretty fully. Like compared to my friends, that's pretty fully. Well, I want to give you three things that don't exist if you're following God fully. Thanks, Josh. You just stay there, though. Just stay there. But big hand for the married man, Josh. Big hand in all our campuses. Hey, where's Dunedin? I didn't hear Dunedin. Man. Dun Dunedin's not in today. Dunedin. Seriously, that's very disappointing. <laughs> Topau, Po, Topo, Toronga, Thames, Pokakoi, Manukau, North Shore, Palmerston North, Wellington, Christchurch, Africa, amen. <laughs> Welcome all of you. Three things, now listen, okay, focus. Three things that don't exist if you're following God fully. Because it sounds like an inspirational thought, but what, what does that look like? Number one, conditions. If you're following God fully, conditions don't exist. God, I'll go anywhere in the world, just don't send me to Africa or third world nations. <laughs> what, what's that saying? God, I'll follow you, but with a condition. 
God, I'll tithe if you give me that large contract. In other words, I'll, I'll do what you want me to do, but if it's conditional. God, if you give me a child, I'll start going to church. God, if you heal my mother, then I'll take you seriously. I don't think God's offended or insulted when we make requests. Well, God, if they give me that role on team, then I'll join the team. See, the scripture does say, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. It says, we have not because we ask not. God encourages us to ask. He says, you know, I don't think he's offended with our questions. He's not mad when you throw things at him. But there's a difference between making your requests known to God, because that's encouraged, as opposed to holding the outcome in his face as a precondition before you do this or anything. They're two different things. I tell God all my desires and my needs, but I'm not holding the outcome in his face as a condition. See, when you're following God fully, conditions don't exist. In fact, in Matthew 8, you, we've read the scripture before, then a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Sounds like such a follow God fully kind of statement. And Jesus replies, foxes of dens, birds of nests, son of man is nowhere to lay his head. Listen, maybe Jesus heard the statement from his mouth, but saw a condition in his heart. And maybe he had a secret condition that he just sort of said, I'll follow you wherever you go, provided you put me in a five-star hotel in Auckland. <laughs> and Jesus goes, listen, you can come, but I've got nowhere to sleep. I can't really lay my head anywhere. You still in? Another disciple said, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus said, follow me. And let the dead bury their own dead. In other words, he was saying, I'll follow you, God, on the condition. He, I don't think this was a scenario where the guy died, the dad died on the Friday, the funeral was on Sunday, and Jesus was like, come now, you're not allowed to go to the funeral. It wasn't that. The dead bury their dead was simply an expression to say, when my next generation passes. And we're like saying, I will follow you, God, but it's not my time yet. I haven't made all my money yet. When my parents go, Lord, and you know, after all, you told me to take care. You know, and I think that's the, the whole point. When you follow God, even the guys in Scripture who wanted to follow God, he said, listen, unless it's fully, it's not really going to work. It's not God being extremist. It's not him going, oh, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. It's not like God is some sort of extremist. He's saying, listen, you can't last the journey unless you're all in. You won't act, you'll actually injure yourself going half in. I remember there's a guy who got saved in our church years ago, and this is before we started Kingdom City, this is when I was uh, just serving as a lawyer, uh, I was a lawyer for five years and uh, in Perth, Western Australia, and um, I was part of the new Christian, well I was there just to help a guy who got saved, he came from another background, and I met having coffee with him, and taking him through the theory, and he was like, oh look, God, you know, he, he's early in the gene, he's like, God told me who I'm going to marry, I'm like, wow, who's, he's new Christian, he goes, and he points to a lady, but she's already married, I'm like, oh no, you can't do that, man. <laughs> She's, she's married. He's like, no, no, but the preacher said God will give you the desires of your heart. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but he didn't mean like that. Like, she's married, man. You can't marry a married woman. He's like, yeah, but you said all things are possible with God. I'm like, yeah, no, but not that. We're not, we're not, we're not. And he says, if two or three agree, he'll do it. I'm like, no, we're not agreeing on anything, buddy. No. I'm like, we got to upgrade the New Christian's Manual. Clearly, some, some obvious conditions missing. Turned out, long story sad, but he left and he basically admitted he came to Christ because he thought Christ would give him that particular woman. I mean, we'd go like, oh, strange person, what sort of church were you a part of? It's, this is this guy just simply, now that sounds extreme, but all of us have our own conditions. God, if you don't come through for my kids, I'm, I'm done with this God thing. 
It's a conditional thing. You can't follow God fully and have conditions. You compare them with the three guys in the fire. God is able to rescue us. But even if he doesn't, unconditionally, we're all in. Well, God, if you just give me the victory, then I'll follow you fully. What if following God fully is the key to your victory? This is a decision that has to be made called trust. And, you know, I have found in my own life, often when I start to throw conditions into my relationship with God, it's a sign that I've just gone dry. You know, I've never met anybody who's had an encounter with God and then they throw conditions. You know, when, 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 I remember when I had an encounter with God in 2006 to come to go to Malaysia and plant a church. It's crazy. Like, I, I was a lawyer. I, I, in fact, I didn't want ministry. I was out. I was disoriented. I was disillusioned. I was a bit hurt, fed up, messed up, whatever, my own issues. And I have this encounter with God. It's so crazy. And in this encounter, I'm like, yes, God, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. And before that encounter, I'm like, I, wanna, I don't like this. I don't like that. I was getting finicky and picky and pathetic because really you start to throw, Lord, if they change that, then I'll think about staying. If they do that, then I might think about it. And when you start to throw conditions, it's a sign you're getting dry. But I've never met anybody who's had an encounter and then throw conditions. And when God touches you in a real significant way, and maybe for some of us that's years ago, maybe for some of us that's months or years, whatever it was. But when you have an encounter with God, I don't see anybody going, oh, Lord, that's great, but just one more thing. Can you give me a lease car as well with that? When you're touched by God, you don't care about the conditions. I'll do crazy. Out of that encounter, I sold my house, bought a one-way ticket to an Islamic country without a visa to plant a church. All the signs of stupid. <laughs> but when you have an encounter, you don't throw conditions at God. Sometimes when you're throwing conditions, don't try and go, am I being reasonable or not? Is it a personality issue or not? It's a hunger issue. It's an encounter issue. And that's why encounters are vital. You can't go too long between encounters because encounters actually are the best way to dissolve conditions. Not negotiation. Encounter. The second thing, second thing that, that really is, will not exist, it will not exist if we're following God fully is compartments. Compartments. Now, I'm an anti-compartmentalizationalist. I don't know if that's a word, but I just think it's a good word. Uh, what that simply means, I'm not against, I don't mean like putting your socks in one drawer and your jocks in your other drawer. I'm, uh, that was a little too, uh, uh, that was not necessary. Um, I don't mean like not scheduling your diary, better example. I don't mean like you can't block out time, but in mindset and in heart, if you start making compartments, because we tend to do that. I've got my work life, my family life, my church life, my friends life, my secret life, my not-so-secret life, my hobbies, my hobbies, my da-da-da. And we got the whole list. There's a whole checklist of compartments, and it sounds good, but, you know, I remember my 21st year. I grew up, right? I'm too Asian to be Aussie, but I'm too Aussie to be Asian, so I fit nowhere. And I've got, Aussie fr I got, I got Christian friends, and I've got non-Christian friends, like all of us. And so I have, like, a quadrant. I've got four people. I've got the Aussie Christians, the Aussie non-Christians, I've got the Asian Christians and the Asian non-Christians, and I was awesome to all of them, but I was four different people in four different settings. And what happens is I've got compartments. And so my, I, my life was going fine until one day my mom said, you're going to have a 21st. I'm like, I hate parties for myself. And she goes, we're going to have it and everyone's coming. I'm like, no, they're not. Because you know what she wanted to do? All my compartments to collide. She didn't think of it like this. She just wanted to give her son a 21st party. To me, it's the worst idea in the world because I don't want, I'll have four 21sts, but I'm not having one because I've got my compartments just sorted out right. 
It was the worst day of my life. That, let's just get to the bottom line of the story. The worst day of my life. I didn't know what accent to use. I didn't know what language to use. Jesus was fun in one place and not fun in another. He meant one thing in another. He meant another thing in another. You know, I like, do we drink wine, non-alcoholic wine, water? What are we drinking? Like, it was just a horrible clash because my compartments got exposed. The problem is I was divided, fractured. And when you have compartments, the danger with compartments, you can't really follow God fully when you have compartments because, in fact, there's a sad picture. We've destroyed the evidence where I remember telling my non-Christian friends, hey, listen, I'm coming my 21st. They're like, sure. I'm like, because my mom's like, we're going to have it at the church because, you know, we're going to have a 21st at the church. I, I was half happy. The other half was very unhappy. The whole thing was just a, uh, just a very awkward night. At one point, she decided it was a good thing that the pastor prayed for me at my 21st. Again, I was half happy. And as he's praying for me, because, you know, I'm spiritual on Sunday. But I've got my compartments. Monday is another compartment. Don't mess with my compartments. And so there's a picture of me, actually, one hand in the pocket, eye open, the other side. It was, and from the picture, I deduced that this side were the Christians and this side... See, look, you laugh, but it was traumatic. <laughs> See, let me tell you, the danger with compartments is often we only bring some compartments to God. That's what happens when you come, because you want to keep it separate. People have affairs because they have compartments. You want, you, want to, you want to clean your whole life out, let all the compartments mix. But it's just inappropriate. It just won't fit. See, the danger with apartments is we become very comfortable, each one different, and then we become all things to all men, but we win none. And then we are selective with what we bring to God. See, we bring our debt to God because we hope He makes it disappear. But we won't bring our savings to God because we think He'll make it disappear. <laughs> we'll, bring, we'll bring our sickness to God because we want Him to get rid of that, but we won't bring our energy to God because in case He gets rid of that. I'll give my barrenness to God, but don't make me give my children to God. I've seen what happens when kids follow God. They got hurt by the church. It's like the rich young ruler. Hey, I'll follow you, Jesus. And really, he had one compartment that he kept for himself. He said, well, with my sexuality, I'll follow you. With my life choices, I'll follow you. With my morality, I'll follow you. With my obedience. But this area, Jesus goes, okay, just one compartment. You want to follow me? Just like the earlier example, you want to follow me fully? There's just one compartment. Can I just touch that? He's like, took his compartment and said, no, you can't have this compartment. You compare him to Abraham. And God says, Abraham, Abraham, give me your son, your only son. Did God really want the knife through Isaac? No. He wanted the knife through Abraham's compartments. And he realized, here's a man who withholds nothing from me. And he blessed him, he blessed Isaac, and he blessed everything that came from him. That, that test, that moment, was God saying, put a knife, not through your son, but through every compartment in your life. And when I've got a man who can follow me fully. You know, 1 Kings 11 is a strange scripture. There's a scripture that really troubled me until I understood this. It says, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord. I don't know if the Bible's calling evil not following fully, but he did evil anyway, and the Bible describes that he did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. 
Now, if you know the story, and I don't have time to go into it, how many reckon David's worst season was worse than Solomon's worst season? Right? I'm just assuming biblical literacy because your name is Equippers. So, I mean, you're all super equipped. Everybody knows the Bible, right? <laughs> this story is full on. You know David's story in his bad season. He really messed up. I mean, that's as scandalous as anything you'll ever read in the Bible. And yet the Bible says that David followed God fully. How could God say about David that he followed fully when that's clearly in the book? And Solomon didn't because Solomon had some bad spots too. But what's the difference? I reckon David's worst was worse than Solomon's worst. Here's the difference. David had no compartments because he said, as soon as he realized what he did, God created me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. He said in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. See everything. God, I don't want one dark spot in my heart. Everything belongs to you. Whereas Solomon goes, well, leave the foreign wives to me. Leave the foreign gods to me. You can have a, a small sin, but if you keep it compartmentalized, it will stop you from following God fully. The scripture says Solomon didn't follow fully like his father. Why? Because God is not looking at your sin. He's looking at the wholeness of your heart. And that's why you could be a flawed follower, but still be a fully full-on follower. He's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for people who give him everything. See, this gives hope to every flawed follower that you can still be a full follower so long as we continue to come humbling our hearts and surrendering every compartment. I wonder if this morning in every location we can actually say, God, I don't want to even step into vision weekend. I don't want to step into tomorrow. Lord, whatever compartments I've got, I want to give them all to you because I want to follow you fully. It's been frustrating for me to half follow, sort of, and I know too much to backslide, but I don't want it enough to take a step forward. The Titanic sunk quicker because of compartments. When it hit the iceberg, because the bottom of the ship was broken into compartments, water filled one section and it filled, and it sunk, it sunk the ship quicker than it would have sunk if there was no compartments. When you hit icebergs, the more you compartmentalize, one compartment messed up can sink the whole ship. Here's the, here's the truth about following God fully. Oh, there's plenty of areas he needs to work on in my life. But he's either Lord of all, as C.S. Lewis said, or he's not Lord at all. You can't go, God, I'll give you some part, compartments in my life. See, this does not mean, listen carefully, this does not mean you don't have a life outside of church. But it does mean you don't have a life outside of God. Big difference. And finally, complacency. You can't follow God fully if conditions are in your life, if compartments are in your life, and third, complacency. You can't, see, this one's the hardest one to spot. You know why? Because conditions is an idolatry issue. There's something that I hold up higher than following you, God. If this doesn't happen, I'm not doing it. An idol, idol. Compartments is a lordship issue. In other words, he's either lord of everything or he's not lord at all. I give the whole thing to you. But complacency is a passion issue. So you can follow and still follow at your convenience. You can follow and still follow at a distance. Luke 22:54 says this, then seizing him, they led him away and they took him into the house of the high priest. The Bible says Peter followed at a distance. Do you realize you can follow God, but at a distance? Oh, I'm still following. I mean, I'm still coming. I mean, I still turn up. 
I mean, I still don't swear, and I'm following, but I'm just, the challenge with the distance is it's hard to hear the whisper of God from a distance. It, it, but, but, it, but it's hard to spot because the fact you're following means you're not conscious of complacency in the walk. The old frog cooked in water thing. The whole idea that, so you're reading the word stops. Well, they'll teach me something on Sunday. Giving stops, worship. We watch worship. We used to really engage in worship. And you can still follow, but at a distance. And sometimes when the conveniences are removed, the complacent drop off. You know, Jesus did miracles and the crowd showed up. When he started talking about his death, the price, the inconvenience, they're like, uh, yeah, it was fun in Feb, but I'm out. And uh, another way to put it, they loved him when he multiplied the fish and chips. <laughs> but when he started to tell them what to do with their fish and chips, they're like, Jesus, you stay in your spot. Right? Stay out of my marriage, stay out of my time, stay out of my money, stay out of everything. Well, when I'm sick and dying, you better be around. You can't follow God fully with conditions, with compartments, but complacency is an interesting one. I often find complacency comes when hunger goes. I've had, I've had uh, many uh, failed attempts to try and lose weight. Many failed attempts. I've tried everything. You name it, and I'll probably try it. I'm doing not bad now, actually. I don't know how it looks on this big screen and all the campuses. But, <laughs> <coughs> but one of the what strategies in, in a season that I did was the doctor gave me, here, take this pill. It's good for you. Here's the logic. It'll suppress your appetite. And the logic is you eat less because you don't feel as hungry, you lose weight. This whole thing was going to be so easy. So I took the pill. And I've got a testimony for you, church. I did not let that pill stop me. I <laughs> broke through. I said, I don't care what you do to me, I, will, I go to the fridge, I go to the pantry. And it's not a testimony. It's just a tribute to my complete lack of self-discipline. <laughs> the point is this. The enemy will throw pills to suppress your hunger. Discouragement, disappointment, offense, mistake, misunderstanding, miscommunication. And he's going, all he's really trying to do is suppress your hunger. Because when you have no hunger, there's no appetite, there's no desire for God. But I wonder if in Equippers this year, we decide that when the pastor gets up, when whoever gets up, it's we're one another. We're not just doing this for one guy. We're not doing this for one day. We're one another. If there is enough hunger in the pew, there will be revival in the street. But when there's only hunger in the pulpit, there's nothing even in the church. Uh, there's something about complacency that can be so deceiving because we're still following, but we're just not following fully. A complacent Christian will never be a contagious one. And here's the thing about complacency. Listen, I know that everybody right now understands complacency. I just have to give you one example. Sam and Kathy, who, who Jemima and I love dearly, they've got three beautiful daughters. You know, if you have a daughter, you'll understand this. You've got a daughter, and say she's of, you know, she's marriageable age, and the guy comes to have the chat with the dad. You're the dad, got the guns in the back, and he's coming, and you're like, you're expecting it, because she's like, oh, dad, this is the guy, da 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 And every dad fears this, I'm pretty sure. I have two boys, so I'm a bit relieved. But the point is, um, you know, they come in, and you're like, so, you're interested in my daughter, huh? And you're expecting this guy to go, I worship you, almighty father. 
it would be my absolute humblest honor ever. And you know, you'd expect a bit of that, fair enough. I mean, I did this once and it was just the most intimidating, awkward experience of my life. But anyway, the point is this. Imagine if you're the father waiting and the guy goes, yeah, yeah, she's not bad, she's all right. <laughs> Sorry, I thought, I, thought, I thought you wanted to, yeah, I'm getting on. I've had my fair share, she's not bad. I mean, she's, don't get me wrong, she's, she's a good girl and all that, but, you know, I've seen better, but I've seen worse, so. <laughs> See, I, I can feel the tension rising in the room, <laughs> in the other campuses. It's a hypothetical, this didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, calm your farm, right? If you can get that angry and irritated, you know what you're irritating? It, that man's complacency towards your little bride. What makes us think God is any less irritated with our complacency to his bride? This is the bride of Christ. We are the church. We're one another. And we're complacent that you got irritated with a hypothetical. This is the, the bride of Christ. He died for the planet. He does not want a complacent group. He does not want people to follow him partially. He wants people to follow him fully. He wants people to follow him fully. In fact, let's... Let's have a moment for a second. So the worship team can probably come and join us. Here's what we're going to do. The scripture says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Not just the first portion of your heart. I'll, I'll tell you something that happened to me years ago and it changed my life. See, you've got to realize this is not a taskmaster God going Follow me fully. This is a God who's given himself fully. God fully loves you. God fully loves you. He gave himself fully for you. He didn't partially, if God was only partially in love with humanity, he would have Skyped in from heaven. But he came where we were. He would have sent an angel to die. This is a fully committed God. No, we're not asking to give ourselves to some stone or some idol or some random concept. This is a God who's already, it's so easy to give your whole heart to God when you realize he's given his whole son for you. I remember I was, um, years ago, before I was married, before ministry, before anything, I was, I was a lawyer, but I had this desire to serve God. And one night I had this, it was a dream. It was just, I've never had anything like that before or since. But I was asleep and it, I had a dream in my, just me alone in the house and I hear a knock on the door. And in my dream, I opened the door and I realized it's some demonic thing. I don't see many of these things often. I haven't seen them before or since. And it's evil and violent. I'm trying to shut the door and this thing just walks into my house. And I can't shut the door. I'm just, I can't do a thing. And I'm like, what is this? Where is this coming from? And I feel like totally powerless. I feel like no strength to do anything. I'm so terrified in the dream, I wake up, it's about two in the morning, and as soon as I open my eyes, I realize it's not a dream because there's this evil thing that I've never felt before or since. And it's literally, I could not physically, I was a 20, I think 21, and I could not even physically get up. Probably, it was... I've never had anything like this before. And I'm going, God, and I'm trying to speak. I'm thinking I'm going to die. There's like a literal thing in my room. And I'm praying in tongues. I'm trying. I'm like, God, I want, where's this from, God? I'm not, I'm not into the witchcraft or the occult. I don't even watch Harry Potter. Where's this coming from? I literally was shocked. I'm a Christian. This thing finally leaves. 
I'm sort of speaking in any language, including tongues, and I turn the light on, but I'm wide awake now. I'm scared. I said, God, you got to speak to me. What on earth was that? And from the book of Ezekiel, I began to journal and write down because I couldn't. It's like God, he says, in that day, I'll give them an, oh, I'll give them an undivided heart, a whole heart. In fact, the scripture, some versions say, I will give them one heart. One heart. One is not the number. One means whole. One means unbroken. One means undivided, uncompartmentalized. I'll give them one heart. And I'm like, I asked the Lord, why couldn't I shut the door? I thought I have all authority in Christ. And the Lord showed me something that day that I've never forgotten. He said, whatever you give your heart to, you give a key to. And so it has the right to come into your life anytime it wants. That's why you can have a broken heart when you give your heart to a person. You give your heart to a job and you lose the job, you have a broken heart. A broken heart is simply the right you give to anyone that holds your heart. I'm not saying you can't give your heart to your spouse or your kids. In fact, I will say this. The best place for me as a dad to have my heart is in God. Because the best husband I'll ever be is when God has my whole heart. The best dad I'll ever be is when God has my whole heart. The best pastor, I tell my church, you need me to be totally surrendered to God and not to you. Because guess what? When God has my whole heart, I will love you like you deserve to be loved. I will serve you like you deserve to be served. The greatest place is for God to have your whole heart. And I'm like, God, I take my heart back from anything I've given. Maybe conditions, maybe compartments, maybe complacency. And I say, God, here, have my whole heart. And that's when I realized, love the Lord your God with all of your heart really started to make sense to me. And I want to encourage all of us here today in every location maybe God's calling you to take a step forward I believe God is doing something even now you've been in your seat and God is stirring something in you but maybe today's the breakthrough for you maybe today's the day you say God I get it God I get it I've been hovering around the edges but today I get it I wonder if we could all stand come on let's stand to our feet every location we're going to close in a moment I'm going to hand back to the pastors in every campus and they're going to lead you in an opportunity in case you don't know the Lord in case you've never made the decision to follow God but I know there's many believers in this room. I know there's many believers all around New Zealand right now, and you've made the decision to follow God, but maybe it's grown a bit cold. Maybe it's grown a bit stale. Maybe things have got a bit routine. Maybe conditions have crept in. Maybe compartments, and this is not a hard thing. This is just an invitation from a loving father saying, come on, son. Come on, daughter. You've got to understand, I've got dreams and destinies, but they only work when you're fully following. If you come today and go, yeah, but but I've got, I got, I got issues in my life. I've got struggles. I've got secret compartments that no one knows about. I've got addictions. I've got fears. God says, listen, I'm not looking for a f- perfect follower. I'm looking for a fully follower. I'm not looking. We're all flawed. We're all flawed. But that should not stop the young and the old, the rich and the poor from saying, God, but I still choose to follow you fully. In fact, if you can say this morning that, God, I'm saying yes, it's, it's like a renewal of vows. It's not that you got, you're not saved. I did a renewal of vows for my brother. It, they were already married. But it's like, I re-consecrate my yes to you. See, before we can handle one another, before we can serve one another, love your neighbor as yourself only comes after love the Lord your God with all of your heart. All of your heart. 
And whether it's conditions, we want to just surrender to God. Whether it's compartments, we want to yield to God. Or whether it's a fire, we want Him to light in our complacent journey. If you're saying, God, I want to follow God fully right now, every location, every campus, raise your hands to heaven high. Not the token raise. I mean high. I mean until, until your muscles hurt. Father, we thank you, God, that we are unashamed. We don't want to half follow. We don't want to partially follow. We choose, God. Lord, yes or no, black or white, all in or all out, heaven or hell. Father, I thank you that across Equippers, there is a movement you're raising up for such a time as this. There's increase, there's acceleration. There are open doors that are coming wide in every person's life. I thank you, God, in every campus, in every location right now. There's faith in the room that all things are possible. God, we surrender our conditions. We surrender our compartments. We surrender our complacency. And Father, we ask that you take us forward step by step by step father we say yes to you we give you our whole heart we give you all our heart father we thank you there's not one in this room that is perfect but all in this room say we choose to follow you fully come on right now where you are you begin to lift your voice and you begin to tell him in your own words